Hello and welcome to episode four of the Remote Coach Podcast with your host, as always, Ollie Carson. And today's guest is the incredible Paul Standall from Body by Control. This episode was just such a joy to record because Paul is a hugely, hugely entertaining guy. He's got such a wicked way about him. He actually comes from a performing arts background. He was an actor before moving into the fitness industry. And it was there that he fell in love with learning more about exercise mechanics and how that applies to working with his clients. Um, So if you're a personal trainer or online coach who has ever wondered about how applicable this stuff is to working face-to-face or working remotely, remotely with clients, you really need to listen to this episode. It's just hugely valuable and very, very entertaining. So sit back, enjoy it, and we'll speak to you soon. Paul, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you, my man? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. We were obviously just chatting off air. And um, one of the things that we discussed is the likelihood is that this this podcast will go down some rabbit holes and there'll probably be some offensive stuff in here. So if there's kids in the room, get them out of the room. <laughs> um, but I implore that. So, mate, I, I just want to kick off really by kind of explaining a little bit more about you and what you're about. Um, Because I actually stumbled across your Instagram from finding one of your fitness rants, which are incredible. For anyone who hasn't seen any of Paul's fitness rants, um, I highly recommend you go across to Body by Control on Instagram and check those out. Um, So I kind of came for the banter because it's amazing. And then I stayed because the way that you kind of try and further develop your coaching career and, and your experience and knowledge in particular areas, in particular in exercise mechanics, is is incredible mate um and and your passion in that area is obviously really clear to see so my, my kind of first question dude would be how much do you feel that trainers should be investing their knowledge in this area is it really important for trainers to be looking at this sort of stuff exercise mechanics yes i got it because it sounds like an obscure topic when we call it exercise mechanics yeah. like mm. you know i don't know whether it contributes to this idea we've got some kind of isaac newton in the background or some kind of dude working under a car so it sounds like a different thing but really exercise mechanics if you want to boil it down to it is just the study of forces applied to anatomy and if you think about what we do as trainers I don't know if there's a better description of what the job is supposed to be than applying forces to anatomy so well, then if you want to be good at that, you probably need to understand two things pretty well, anatomy and forces. And anatomy is the stuff that you think that it is. It's this bone's called this and this muscle is here to there and uh, and all that shit that you're probably familiar with. But the other part of that equation is, well, what are forces exactly? And what the hell does torque mean? Like, okay, so that's horsepower. Is it, is it related to an engine? Like what's, <laughs> what's the thing going on for that? But it's really what we deal in. It's, it's, it's what we, what we do as, as trainers. And I had no idea what this meant. And I think the, the way I ended up first getting into it was just being posed a question that I was like, Oh, I, I can't answer that of going like, how come a lat raise is harder out here mm-hmm. than it is at your side? And like, did, did the dumbbell get heavier? Did it add mass somehow as it moved further away from you? And, I was like, well, obviously not. So I'm like, well, what? So why is it harder then? Because it's self-evidently harder. Just hold your arm out, arm out to the side and see if you can hold it there versus hold it here. And well, then the question I have for anyone listening to this is, why? Why is it harder out there than than somewhere else? And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, I was like eight years or so into being a PT, and I was like, I should know that. Why the fuck don't I know that? I was like, that's not good. 
Um, you know, like if I bend my elbow, like, okay, if I'm doing it, if you can't see this because you're not watching the video, I'm basically doing a bicep curl, right? And we, we bend this elbow and we go, well, that's a bicep move. But if I do the exact same elbow bend up here, I'm still bending my elbow in the same manner. Now it's a tricep move. Why? It's the, <laughs> it's the same elbow bending. Is it doing, it's not rotating all of a sudden in a different direction. It's, oh, it's the direction that a force is applied to it. So it's the direction the resistance is in that determines whether something is a, a bicep or a tricep challenge in that. I'm like, okay, so forces have these quality things to them. Like they have a direction. Mainly we're talking about gravity for the most part. So that's straight down. But then it's your relationship kind of to that. It has a, it has a size, there's smaller forces and bigger forces, obviously. And they're applied at certain points. And it's just trying to take those things and understand them in a way that makes sense as a trainer that fundamentally improves you as a coach that's that's the whole point is if you can get good at this you can design exercises and use exercises that mean you get a better result for your client or even for yourself if you're just interested in your own training mm. and that's the point that was the the fun of it and uh, the kind of excitement of it so yeah I, I i couldn't say that it's not important like i think once you get down that kind of rabbit hole you're like why isn't this the basis of what mm. we're taught to begin with? Like, why did it take me eight years or so of being a PT before I first came across this? And it's not like in that time I'd skimped on seminars. I'd been to every Brad Schoenfeld one he'd done over here. And I've seen Eric Helms talk and Alan Aragon before everyone disowned him. Uh, <laughs> 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 what have you? It, it's not like I hadn't gone and tried to be a, a part of the community. And I was like, how, how the hell have I gone this long without knowing the answers to this? Because it's not like I've been shying away. And I think the sad answer is that the industry doesn't understand these concepts very well. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a, a giant shame. So it's then you kind of mentioned like, uh, hopefully a passion that I have for this is also including like, how do we demo it in a way that's obvious to you? You might not understand the physics behind why and that's a whole slightly separate thing, but you can immediately get it. Like if I get a luggage scale out and start demoing some points, like how come when I move it at this speed, there's a certain load on this luggage scale. When I do it at a faster speed, it drops to zero. Does that mean there's no force on this thing when I accelerate it rapidly versus when I do it slowly? Like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. Why is that? Um, or if we can get fucking, I've got a slinky near me for no good reason, other than I was like, I wonder what I can demo about elastic stuff with a fucking slinky um, or with Meccano and how we can make, everyone hears open chains and closed chains, but what the hell does that mean? It's like, well, it's way easier if you can get an actual thing out again, if you've got the video and you'd be like, this is what this means. And it means I can do this with it, right? And like anything you can do to make that shit real and understandable, like whether you understand the physics behind it, you'll, you'll at least get it. You'll be like, yes. oh, that makes kind of sense. So that was, um, you know, that was that was really where that sort of started. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I th yeah, definitely. And I think going back to what you said about, you know, why why didn't I know this for so long? You, you said like you'd been a PT for eight years, right? Before you stumbled across, well, not stumbled across, but started to be intrigued by exercise mechanics and learning more. And I think the unfortunate answer is, is that you can get away with not knowing this stuff and still get relative results by kind of carbon copying what's gone before. You know, we have a general idea around um, programming training sessions for our clients, irrespective of your knowledge in this area, right? 
that's not to say that knowing this stuff isn't going to benefit you or, or make you a better coach. And I imagine actually, again, going off on a bit of a tangent, that it served someone like yourself really well during the lockdowns where people are, you know, limited with the equipment that they've got and you can make exercise a lot more challenging, a lot more efficient yeah. with this sort of knowledge versus shit, I don't have a Smith machine right now. How do I program this guy's oh, training? My client can't squat, bench and deadlift. How the hell am I supposed to get results? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, 100%. And, and you're right. Like it, It's not that the study of exercise mechanics means that people weren't getting in great shape before. That would be self-evidently a dumb fucking statement to make. I got in great shape before I discovered exercise mechanics, let alone the whole rest of the world, which has and continues to do. One of the things I'd probably say was different about it is you know, I used to have, obviously, you have to squat, bench, and dead. They're the rules. Um, and so, you know, you, you've read T Nation. You grew up with Poliquin and who else, all right? And so that's what you do. But every time I'd be benching over a, 100 kilos for reps, my fucking shoulders just start aching. I never really felt it kind of in the chest. If I'd have to be squatting above, I'm long and gangly, right? I'm, I should be a distance runner by nature. I just never wanted that particular physique. Um, you know, anytime I'd be squatting above like 140, like just my back had ache and like my hips were sore. And it was just like, but I thought that's what you had to do. So you just double down and you, and you kind of do more of it, like, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Um, and so... What we can get out of those things isn't necessarily that we can say, oh, this will definitely get you more jacked than some of these other systems. Not necessary. It depends on the person that it's being applied to. Some people will really suit those exercises and other people are just going to find that their joints wear out way mm -hmm. faster. So you'll generally find that people who have a some kind of weak link, something they struggle to grow, that's where mechanics really comes into its kind of own because we can go, here's why, and we can delve into that a little. Um, or looking after joint health. It's a bit like most sports, right? Like they self-select. So people who are really got super mobile, happy kind of joints and their structure suits yoga, they tend to do a fuckload of yoga. People who've got Michael Phelps level arms that reach halfway across Cyprus, like they just turn <laughs> into swimmers. Like there's very rarely a four foot nine basketball player. No shit. Like <laughs> people self-select with their things. So jacked people who are thick, fucking bones the size of like architectural columns. Like, yeah, they no shit. They like benching and they have no idea why the fuck it hurts your shoulder. And like, they're fine. Look how barrel shaped I am. Like, why would you not kind of get this particular thing? Same as like the Chinese Olympic weightlifting team. They're all like five foot 10 with spines the length of fucking like a giraffe's neck and like limbs about this long. Of course they fucking like squatting. Like, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the same for everyone. So it's just having that ability then and that awareness and understanding and knowledge to be able to tweak those things. And that doesn't mean we have to throw out all the other stuff. Clearly it's been working for a long period of time. It's just, mm. it doesn't always work. And there might be better ways under certain circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, I just had a phone call come through <laughs> right at the end of that, which is just typical, isn't it? <laughs> no, but that's perfect, dude. And um, I, I think um, the kind of next natural question there really would be like, where do you even go to find this stuff out? Now, I know you've invested in Michael Goulden and, and Integra Education to kind of further your knowledge here. But, you know, maybe for a trainer who is interested in learning more about this stuff, but maybe not in a financial position to invest, where, yeah. where would you send somebody for that kind of information? How do you even start learning about this stuff? That is a good question. So I, I suppose we can probably break it down a little bit into like different levels of financial investment for that. Like as with most stuff, if you go and invest and spend time with good people, it is the fastest way 
to, to get to that. And, um, you know, I owe Michael Golden and Integra and the RTS, which is run by Tom Purvis, which is the system that Michael teaches. I owe them loads. I'm still on courses uh, with Michael and kind of those guys. I still invest in that. And if you've got even in the realms of the money to go and do it, I'd say it pays you back financially from a business yeah. perspective super fast. Um because I'm like, God, do I want to spend a couple of grand on this course? It sounds expensive for these things. Like, I know that back comfortably within a month of starting to tart around with these kind of things. I was like, oh. <laughs> it was then kind of engaging. So, but if you can't go down that particular route straight away, I suppose the next scaled down version of being able to go to in-person stuff would be some of the online courses things. Um, the muscle mentors are great. I mean, they're, they're friends of mine and what have you, but I still pay them 60 pounds a month to be a member of their uh, do, yeah. community because the weekly in-person chats are awesome. It's a really cool community. I respect what those guys do. Get to give them shit once a week and that's always fun. <laughs> um, and so that's that's a great place to start if you, if you haven't got the ability to jump on the in-person stuff as much. And I think they offer a free trial that's like a week long or something. So you can always go and have a look at that and look at their mechanics stuff. It's run by Luke and James. They're great guys. Um, so you could look at that. I think uh, triage, if you don't follow the triage method on Instagram, that's a guy called Skinny Gaz and Paddy Farrell. They do a, a similar thing that I, I'm also a member of. I think it's about 60 a month as well, something kind of like that. Um, it was also a great place. Then you're looking maybe one run down from there of going books and shit which books are wonderful i have loads of them but they can feel a bit dry if mm. if you're not sure like what you can't see again if you listen to this on a podcast i have a skeleton behind me it's not a real human one i'd like to point that out <laughs> um i'm working on getting one but no uh <laughs> so if you're learning anatomy right you sit there and you go like, okay, this is the ischial tuberosity, and this is the, and this is the left phalange, or whatever else you want to kind of put in. But you're just learning words. You don't, they don't, what are they, what the fuck are those? They're not even words you understand. I grew up speaking English, not some kind of Latin bastardized yeah. thing. And so it wasn't until I got a skeleton that I could attach, I attached balloons to it, right? And be like, right, this muscle here goes from this point to this point. And I can, I can go and poke it and prod it and put them on it and move it around and go, okay, in this position, this muscle, because the cool thing about a balloon is it wants to shorten. You can mm. see what that muscle wants to do yeah. because it does what the balloon wants to do, basically. It wants to shorten along its length. That's all the muscle can do around an axis. And that gets a bit more complicated, but it wants to shorten. And so when you move it around, you go, ah, the glute max fibers, when we're in this straight leg position, yeah, they're going to contribute a lot more to extension, what have you. But when I get into hip flexion, these lower fibers do this abduction job. But I was always taught that the glute medius and minimus did the abduction job. Oh, but actually, I can see when I move this into hip flexion that glute medius and minimus are almost external, like internally rotating this leg up and in a little bit in that position. That's not the fucking same as I learned on this textbook. Um, and it makes it tangible. Yeah. I'm going to keep trying to drill that point home that like the more you can make these things tangible, the more they'll stick and the cooler it will be and the better you'll get. But um, if you're, so with that said, <laughs> get a skeleton actually would be probably a, a kind of good point for that. But if you've got that, then you can get some cool apps uh, on iPads and, and phones and what have you that will allow you to explore that. Atlas of Anatomy is great. The Kapanji series um, of upper body, lower body, spinal mechanics, they're all good. 
Macmillan's has a clinical atlas of anatomy that is basically full of loads of pictures of cut up dead people, um, which, <laughs> you know, is cool. Uh, and so you can actually see the drawing of what it would, what you kind of see in most books, but then you'll yeah. actually see it on a person um, on the kind of next page, which adds a, a level to it that I think is, is pretty cool. Um, and then I guess if you want to go into the super nerdy physics, physics side uh, of this understanding, Khan Academy is a fucking godsend, right? That man deserves all of the medals. It's a free resource uh, that this dude, Sal Khan, started doing, I think, to put his son through, like, preparation for some college things. I can't remember how it started. It started, like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. And it was bought by Google eventually because they recognized it was it's this awesome thing. It was this dude just kind of cool voice and it's like a, a blackboard on a screen. You can see his mouse going around and he just walks you through great descriptions and great explanations of stuff. So right. for learning Newton's laws and all that stuff, that's been awesome. There's loads of things to, to play with on that. There's a guy called Walter Lewin, um, who is an MIT professor of physics. His lectures on YouTube are also like, fucking internet is great, right? His lectures are free and they, they usually follow like a, a sort of set structure where he'll kind of, there's a topic for the thing. Let's say they're talking about friction and inclined planes, which sounds complicated, but it's why you end up doing less weight on a leg press than on a squat. Yeah. Right? Uh, so he'll go through the, the math stuff and you'll be like, if you're not familiar with algebra, you're like, I don't know what half of this is. But <laughs> if you get to grips with it, you're like, okay, that, that all kind of makes sense. But the, the best part of Walter Lewin's things is every single lecture has demonstrations of stuff where he's like, right, so the prediction from this math is this. Let's test it. I'm going to drop this thing from here. I'm going to swing on this pendulum and it's going to take me this long based on... And then he kind of does it and it's perfectly accurate and he's like, physics fucking works. And it's, again, I've, I've tried to take from that, like the more we can make that stuff tangible, the better it is, the more you understand it. So it's not abstract math on a board. It's the physical reality of the world around you. And that's what we deal with when we're kind of exercising. So, and again, I'm a dude who, I have a fucking drama degree. I went to drama school back in the day. I had a B <laughs> at GCSE maths. Like this was not a path I thought I was going down. This literally came about because I was like, you know, we started with that lat race question of like, I fucking don't know. And that was annoying me. And so then that led down the mechanics stuff and Michael and Integra. And then from there, it was like, okay, I get that this gets heavier and this gets harder and this gets, we've got a smaller moment on, so it gets easier. But I wanted to know like specifically. And then, the, so the next layer on top of that was, yeah, but like how much? Yeah, <laughs> One yeah. of those precise kind of how much bits is a, um, is a maths kind of question. Like, you know, people often say those bits where we're stronger in an eccentric than a concentric, but, the main reason, and there might be extra reasons for this, but the, the, the one we should always start with is because you're losing to gravity. You're not actually, like, <laughs> yeah, you're just not stronger. You're actually, you're losing the battle. <laughs> yeah, in a concentric, you have to beat it. So of course I have to produce more force. Like if the force of gravity is like 9.8 meters per second squared, right, heading down. So to hold something still, I need to produce an equal up thrust of 9.8 meters per second upwards. To lose, I just have to produce anything less than that. <laughs> so if I drop an object at the speed of gravity, how much force did I need? Bagel force, no force, zero force. <laughs> if I lower it at half the speed, at what, 4.9 meters per second down, then I need half the force it takes to hold it still. And if I want to accelerate it upwards, and let's say I want to accelerate it up at 9.8, well, then I need twice the force of gravity. It's like, 
none of that shit's ever spoken about, by the way, when we hit, when we talk about like speed of lifting, it's always, it's time under tension. It's like, yeah, fine, right? But like, if you think that time under tension is the same amongst all types of movement, you don't know physics. And, <laughs> and that's immediately obvious and demonstrable super fast. And it's like, why don't we, again, I get super frustrated with like, why the fuck don't we know? Why did it take me the best part of a decade of being in this industry before this basically obvious point was pointed out to me? Like, but this is but this is this is the thing though i mean that's that's what's so fascinating about the topic and about the way that you approach it and and many others as well but i think i resonate with the way that you approach it more because you mentioned your your, your work in drama as you went through was it college or university and yeah, just the way that you I did a three-year acting degree which is obviously important because you then get a piece of paper that says you can act <laughs> super super useful <laughs> but it's paid dividends because the way that you get your message across in all of your rants and all the rest of it and we're going to talk about those shortly it just it makes a topic that is typically very bland and boring and mundane enjoyable to watch and and, and obviously your fitness rants aren't usually directly correlated with the um exercise mechanic tutorial videos that you put on your instagram but even when you're doing your exercise mechanic stuff your delivery of of that is is upbeat it's energetic it's enthusiastic and so you can't help but be enthused to watch it and i'm not going to blow too much more smoke up your ass you've got a little head bob on um but you know i think it i think it works you know because it is such a bland topic but like you say these are things that are really really important to know and to understand as a fitness professional and yet we don't um and again that's a bit of a nice segue into the next question because I wanted to, to ask how it's kind of affected the way that you actually deliver your coaching now that you know all of this stuff. I mean, has it impacted the way that you go through maybe consultation process with clients? Is, is there anything that you do day to day in the coaching that's different now that you know this stuff outside of just programming according to what you know? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, almost kind of everything, as we sort of touched on previously, everyone had to squat, bench and dead, right? Because Obviously, they, those were the rules. I didn't make them, but those were the rules. They were enforced by every PT under the sun. If, if your client wasn't doing a squat bench and dead, it's somewhere in their program. Were you even like, how dare you? Go to <laughs> um, and actually, Tom Purvis, the guy behind RTS, has quite a nice line, which is that, and it, I'm bastardizing this to some degree, but it, it's that like every rep is an ongoing assessment. Like you're not assessing just once. Like every set or every rep of every set is an opportunity for you to observe something. And then you're comparing in your head to, is that what I wanted to mm. see in order to get the result for my client? And in order to answer that, you then have to kind of rewind a little bit and go, well, what's the client's goal? Because this has to relate to that, obviously. And then the other bit is, well, what, who's my client? Like, is this a sensible move for them and their mm -hmm. injury history and their anatomical structure and proportions um, and even their preferences? And so every rep is an opportunity for you to, to look at that. And so rather than having, I, I don't actually, I used to have a set consultation physical thing. It was the, it was the uh, FMS, obviously, because the functional movement screen was the solution to all problems. <laughs> yes. um, everyone had to be doing overhead squats with dowel rods, <laughs> doing lunges on a fucking balance beam. Did you do the, did you do the, um, did you do the, the knee to wall test yeah, for the yeah, ankle yeah, mobility? The ankle thing, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I've done all those things over the years. And um, 
the reality is it gave me, unsurprisingly, it gave me no more information than not doing the assessment to some degree. Um, so my, like, my assessments these days are more determined by the client in front of me and what their goals are again. So it's a part of that is what are they giving me on the questionnaire before we kind of go through it? So have I got anything flagged up on their injury history? Uh, like how big or small kind of are they? And you can eyeball that when they kind of first come in. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, proportions look like this. This person's got super thick wrists. This person's gangly. Uh, this person's got a limp for some reason. Um, this person seems shy and is kind of like hunched over a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, so they're in this. And sometimes you can overdo that because you're like, yeah, they're rounding through their upper back. But have you asked them if they can just straighten up? <laughs> like before you start programming, <laughs> yeah, are they yeah, all these yeah. weak fucking upper back muscles? It's like... Could you, could you just stand with your shoulder? <laughs> they're like, yeah, I can. Cool. They're not weak. That's just a choice for them to stand in a different position. Um, so annoying as it is, because sometimes it's nice for other people to hear, oh, there's this nice structure I could steal and be able to go like, I have to do this, followed by this, followed by this. I don't know if, if there is quite that thing other than going, all right, this person wants to build their chest, let's say. Okay, well... What's the structure of their ribs looking like? What range of movement have they got? If they're in person, am I able? I've got a couple of foxes in my garden. Uh, (laughs) That's always good for a podcast. Uh, You can't see any of that. Um, If if I'm working with them in person, can I test that? And this is one of those ones where you need to get kind of hands-on, but I can put them into, let's say, the the bottom of like a, a pressing kind of position. And I can try and move them around a little bit and go, can they stabilize here? If I apply a little bit of force, are they able to produce force that holds that against me? And you'd be amazed the number of people, if you got them to take their arms all the way back so that the bar was the equivalent of being on their chest, that you try and move their arm around and it's super easy to move it around and they can't sort of stop you. They can't generate force and stability in that position because it exceeds what they've got available at that joint or at those joints, in which case, well, do we want to go into that? Because if they can't produce force in that position all that effectively from muscle tissue, well, then what's going to be controlling that when they get into that position under load? Not the muscle tissue. We've just established Mm. it can't do that very well. At a basic level of force that I was applying, let alone the 80 kilos I've now loaded onto this bar. So that's just going to be riding out on their joint capsule and ligaments and passive structures that you can ride out on for a while. Like Tom Purvis calls it being akin to driving on like a mountain road, but instead of steering, you just use the rail and drive against it the whole time. (laughs) As you go around, you're like, you could do that. It's not good for the rail or your car in the long term. It'd be better to steer within the rails. Um, And those are the things you can kind of, play with if you're working online with a person then obviously that becomes different and i tend to go more towards a bit more conservative estimates for that of going okay the the bottom of a press let's say is the back of their arm disappearing much behind the back of their body i tend to conservatively say it's there for most people is going to be the end of that and then whether that touches their chest is going to be determined by like well how thick is their rib cage or their chest tissue if they're an absolute barrel of a human with the world's smallest forearms then touching it down to their chest is super easy they've got t-rex arms and a massive chest you're like yeah fine that's a that's a really different thing from you know olive from popeye doing the same down there. Uh, so it, it's using those and then if, if you're online, I think more of you guys are online sort of stuff. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Then got to be using that video feedback. 
from their exercise performance and being like, right, each week, send me that shit over. If I was to emphasize things to really master for that beginner client online, it's really controlling tempo and speed so that you can, A, we've just touched on, oh, the speed I lift that changes the amount of force I have to produce relative to gravity and that stuff. So for me, when someone's starting out, we just standardize that shit to three, one, three, one, right? Three seconds down. One second hold, second three hold. seconds up, one second hold. And when, when a new client sends me videos, one of the first things I'll do when I start playing it on the screen and using that check-in is being like, ready, let's count. Three, two, one. And by that point, they've done like four fucking hours. <laughs> so what part of you thought that was that was at that tempo? Okay. <laughs> then they go and do it for a week and they're like, oh my God, that felt totally different. I couldn't do half the reps I was previously able to. Like, oh, yeah, there you go. Right. And so that's a super easy win that you can do that. And then then you're starting to look for your understanding of the mechanic stuff and going like, okay, how do I, do I know what a resistance profile is? Like where something is harder, where it's easier. Do I know what the person's, and now we're using RTS-isms, strength profile, resistance profile. Strength profile is where you're stronger and where you're weaker. So top of a squat, you could stand there all day. Bottom of a squat, you don't want to stand there all day, right? You're weaker at the bottom of a squat, you're stronger at the top of a squat. So that's the strength profile of the squat. The resistance profile is, well, where's the exercise hard and where's it easier? Well, again, at the top, easy. You could stand there all day. That's why when people do quarter squats, quote unquote, they can do a gajillion kilos and then everyone ridicules them. And But if they go all the way down, they can't do anything near that. And it's because the moments, the amount of rotation, this could get, I don't know what everyone's level of knowledge for this kind of thing is. But if we're talking, as a pun there we're talking about torque right so torque is a rotary force and it's what your body deals with when it's doing stuff so when my bicep pulls up on my forearm it creates a rotary force around my elbow joint a rotary force which is called torque is dependent on two things the size of the force being applied and then this thing known as its perpendicular distance the the distance at like a 90 degree angle it is away and that's a bit like opening the door, right? Like you've got a hinge on a door, right? And where does everyone put the handle? I'm hoping if you've ever used a door, you didn't put the handle right next to the hinge, that you put it the other side of the door. And the reason you put it the other side of the door is the same reason if you've ever used a crowbar or helped jack up a car or been on a seesaw is you go the far end because you have more leverage. leverage so the amount yeah. of force you have to apply there is smaller. We've got these same kind of ideas. When you're in the bottom of the squat, the moment arms, the perpendicular distances to your knee and your hip and all your spinal erectors, also your spinal vertebrae, we should say, they have their biggest moment arm. So the force that's pushing down or the force that's pushing up from the floor has its biggest leverage over you in that position, which means it's gonna fuck you up a lot more than when you're at the stop, which is why you can't deal with it as much. So if the squat has a resistance profile where it's hard and easy, it's hard at the bottom and it's easy at the top, but you have a strength profile where you're strong at the top and weak at the bottom, then we have an exercise that's strongest where you're weakest and easiest where you're strongest. So, well, do we want that? Again, it depends on what the person wants and if they want to compete in powerlifting, if they're obsessed with squatting. Uh, it really depends on them. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but those are the things you can start to bring into your coaching. And well, how would I manipulate that? What would I do if I wanted to create something that was more challenging across the whole range? And what does that feel like? And yada, yada, yada. And then I guess the final thing that I'd probably say on that is 
when you first get into this stuff, you'll want to almost use it all straight out of the gate. And that ends up with coaches overcomplicating shit straight out of the gate, right? Right, I'm going to get this new client who's barely been into the gym. They're going to need two bands on this leg press. They're going to need some daisy chains and some carabiners. I'm going to need to calculate the cosine of this act. Like, <laughs> like, I get it, but make sure that you don't freak your fucking client out. Like, who are you dealing with? If I'm dealing with another PT who's got some experience and some exposure to that, yeah, they, they might be excited to try those things. That might be why they've come to me. But if I'm dealing with a newbie who hasn't done anything yet, let's just master some of the basic shit, some stuff you're probably already giving them. Master that control, the, the tempo, and staying within those ranges that we want them to. And just get them to master that. And then phase after phase, maybe we can gradually add in, instead of doing this normal lap race, because they might be a bit more familiar with that, maybe we can do this sidelining thing, which has a different profile, or we can start bringing a cuff in, and maybe they won't think that you're just, you know, using a gimp mask and some bombs, yeah, just, just to fuck them up in the gym. Because, they, you know, they may well feel awkward and embarrassed yeah. enough as it is, yeah. going, okay, now I'm asking them to film themselves in the gym in front mm. of others. And they've got to wear this fucking gimp mask while they do it. And I may as well put a snorkel on <laughs> at the same time and just ask them to scream through the snorkel as they do the exercise. Like, as far as they're concerned, that can be too much. So it's just knowing as a coach when to grade that stuff in. Rather well, that's, that's, that's a good point, mate, because that's one of the things that I actually thought about asking you um, was, you know, how much of this do you make aware to your clients? You know, like, like you say, if you've got a real not necessarily a novice lifter but somebody who's relatively new to this stuff and they obviously know what you what you're passionate about and what your your level of expertise are in this area so they kind of expect that to some extent in your coaching but are you, is this a, an open dialogue that you're having with clients as you're going through check-in processes and so on or is it something that you just work on in the background like you're very mindful with your programming and what you're doing but you're not really sharing that information or is this something that you actually try and educate your clients with as well uh, it depends on the client and to some degree all of the above i think one of the first things that anyone should be doing with almost anyone or a thing to bear in mind at least is that it's rare that anyone likes to feel like an idiot yeah yeah <laughs> so what you don't want to do is almost be like what the fuck would you be using this exercise <laughs> <your client?" laughs> yeah. now yeah. you know if you're mates with the person you like giving them shit you've got a different relationship then then yeah. fine that's a that's a different thing but generally you're almost trying to get them to to kind of think or see it through. And so I tend to pose a lot of those kind of questions in the same way that I tried to pose myself and go like, all right, let's have a look at this. So we'll, you know, we'll have the, an exercise on the screen in front of us, let's say during that check-in. I use Loom for check-ins. I'm sure you're yeah. familiar with that kind of thing. And I'll screenshot just various points in our exercises if we're going through this and start drawing on it. <laughs> Being like, right, this is the moment that we're kind of dealing with. This is why this is harder here. This is why I want to see this move or this is doing something I don't want to see it kind of doing. And here's why, and I might get the skeleton out from behind me and start moving him around and be like, can you see this? Uh, and using comparisons of things, how much of that I go into depends on then the client. Um, you know, I work with, uh, and you know, this is quite a nice thing, I suppose for myself, but I work with quite a few PTs and yeah. uh, some physios and osteos even thankfully trust me with, with their programming with what we're doing because they kind of went, Do you know, what? I don't know much about this mechanic side of things. And maybe that's a, a cool thing. So for them, yeah, we're absolutely going to explore that a lot more because they're, they're curious. And yeah. Often that's reflected in their questions as well during their check-in. Yeah. Um, if it's someone who hasn't got that, 
well, if they're performing an exercise in a way that I'm like, that's not going to lead to the adaptation we want for their goal, then, then it's a case of the client. So you might do a, a basic explanation for certain people if you like, this could get overwhelming if I go too much into yeah. it. So it could just be like, how do I simplify this and just spin an arm around and be like, you see how this sits on top of this now and this doesn't here. So this isn't going to work. Um, so yeah, I think it really depends on the, yeah. the level of detail that the client needs in order to progress, I suppose, is, is what yeah. that comes down to. And there's a bit of a judgment call kind of in that. Um, if you keep seeing the same mistake, clearly you haven't done a good job of coaching, <laughs> of yeah. coaching that particular uh, thing. Um, so some of that is, is also on, on me as a coach as to being like, ah, either I overcomplicate that, they didn't hear what I would like them to have taken. If you're working with someone in real time and it's not that online style feedback or it's the online client that you might have a weekly call with if you've got a more expensive kind of package thing, a super just simple, easy question is, what do you think I just said? <laughs> and get yeah. them to kind of say it back or get them to relay that thing back. And if, if you're like, that's definitely not what I said. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> well then, okay, we need to address that and work on that a little bit more. So it, yeah, it, it depends, I think, is the annoying answer. Yeah, it's it's the expected answer, but it's it's you know, it's it it's true, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. to kind of meet the client where they're at, and it's obviously going to be dependent on what level of knowledge they have and, and what's going to be applicable to them. So I get that, um, mate. Just kind of rewinding, we we briefly spoke about the topic of your fitness rants, which are absolutely incredible, um, and I think for you, they're just such a gem because they're such a great way for you to get your message out and and also provide value to to people who watch your social media and so on, and it's a way of you marketing your services right you, you're clearly incredibly knowledgeable and and considered and you present that in a funny enjoyable way so what would be your advice to to personal trainers and online coaches who are struggling with content ideas or don't really know how to get their message out there and I know it's it's, it's hard for you to say because you've got your own unique thing um yeah but is that something that you've ever struggled with what would your advice be oh that's a I mean, it's a tougher question. I, I thought of this one. I was like, I don't know if I have good advice on this. Like the, you know, the rant leverage is something I have a background in, which is performing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the idea from it came from, do you know Gordon Greenhorn? Yeah, yeah, I know Gordon. Yeah, yeah. so Gordon's a, a friend of mine. Gordon was actually my very first ever coach myself. Uh, oh, right. Back in the day, since I've seen him do far too many upsetting things, which I won't reveal on here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, he was like, you should do a, a Russell Kane-esque fitnessy kind of thing. So, you know, I can't even take credit for the for the origin of... Now that you say that, it is very Russell Kane-esque. It is that kind of snap in and out. Say that kind of thing. And I was like, but I seem to tick the brief in that case, if that was uh, the idea. So I can't even <laughs> take credit for that that particular idea as far as the creation um, goes. Like I could sit here and riff on ideas as to what would be mm. useful for for content but I, I guess you know you're looking for some combination of things that like well, what are you good at and well that's going to take time because who's good at something straight out the gate is pretty rare mm. and even if you are good at it straight out the gate you're good at it relative to morons or relative to some other people you know you're not good good like messy first day of kicking a ball round wasn't messy he was better <laughs> than the toddlers around him i'm sure but yeah. like that's that's a far cry from uh, from being really good so i think we've got to accept that that bit's gonna take time and I'm grateful that I didn't, <laughs> the internet was less of a thing in my first years as a PT because God, like my, my first ever uh, class that I took, 
I threw a med ball into a girl's face and made her nosebleed. <laughs> That was, that was my first ever circuits class. I was super excited. So ready, catch, smash. And she, she started crying. I was like, oh my God. You know, I had BOSU balls all over the place. And it was <laughs> yes. fucking nightmare, you know. I was like reading Paul Check and maybe I shouldn't microwave anything ever. Uh, and like, I'm so glad that half of those things aren't out there. So I think part of the first bit is it's going to take some time to get good at that. So mm. how to get good at it definitely a thing that I, you can do for anyone is cultivate relationships, like build relationships with people you respect and you kind of admire and want to be where they sort of are maybe to some degree. And mm. yeah, that might mean joining the muscle mentors stuff. So you can interact with them and spending some money on that thing. It might just mean, you know, commenting on their shit and saying, I really like this kind of stuff. And then sliding into the DMS, hopefully less like a creep, uh, but just being like, I really appreciate your thing. And maybe, chuck a question out every now and then or, or what have you and over time those those relationships will build and they lead to a whole bunch of different places that are, are definitely worth going if you're not good yet well that's a great place to start that'll help you get good that'll just pay off dividends everywhere else and then i guess the other part you're looking for is well, what excites you what's like what engages you on a, on a kind of uh, thing and then yeah, the combination of those few things of like what are you good at and what excites you and how can you say that in a way that is still you? Yeah. There's going to be lots of people like most people probably shouldn't do a rant based on my observation of many people in the fitness industry. And it's not because they don't have the knowledge and they're not articulate and they're not engaging. Actually, do you know, <laughs> I'm going to call that Mike Samuels here. So do you know Mike Samuels? So yes. Mike, the coffee shop copywriter. Mike's yeah. a friend of mine. He's actually a client of mine as well. Mike is a phenomenal writer, right? He's he's witty, articulate, opinionated, makes a shit ton of money out of doing those things. If you don't follow Mike, Mike's great. Mike knows, though, he's not the most engaging speaker of all time. <laughs> and so he's leveraged the bit that he's very good at. Like, I remember the first time I met Mike, I was like, you're fucking quiet and shit. To <laughs> 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 what I thought you were going to be like. Um, and, you know, that... but. He, I think he went through a little period of trying out video because he didn't know yet. And then going, yeah, yeah this. No, that's not me. me. <laughs> um, and so, you know, maybe you have to try a bunch of those things to find mm. out what are you good at and all that kind of shit. Um, but, you know, sit down and, and figure out, this is what I think about this. Is How many criticisms of this idea in front of me can I come up with? Am I missing things from my own argument? Because I think a lot of it is, are you sure? Yeah. Are you fucking sure? And if not, maybe don't go hard <laughs> in that point. Right? Because yeah. yes. you're going to get torn apart for that thing at some stage. So be, you need to be clear with your own arguments. And the way you get clear on your own arguments is critiquing your own arguments and being like, mm. all right, if I was going to make a thing against the points that I'm making, what would I say? But that's, part, then, of the, that's part of the battle for people is, you know, putting themselves out there as a, as a PT mm is worrying about, are they right in what they're saying? Is it correct what they're saying? Are they going to get backlash from that? And and that's often the, the very thing that stops them from putting anything out in the first place. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that, tough. That, that is it? a, that's a tough battle, right? Because actually, I might do a rant on this particular topic uh, of being like, we hear, you know, the, the sort of charlatan effect that like, there's, um, either we're going to call this kind of Dunning-Kruger a little bit, or... You know, there's people get convinced that 
you know, they know way more than they kind of know. And those of us who know a bit more are riddled with doubt and you're kind of unsure <laughs> and, and what have you. And so then we often hear the answer is, well, we should chuck anything out. And maybe, but there are actually charlatans in the world, right? Just because yeah. everyone experiences some doubt about their ability doesn't mean that therefore everyone has the same ability. Mm. So how do we denote these two things? Where Because maybe that doubt you have is right. Maybe you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good for you to have a little bit of that doubt because it's what should keep you a little bit on the straight and narrow and hopefully yeah. keep you hungry to go and find out. Like mm. when I went, I fucking don't know what the answer to this lat race question is. Mm. That doubt is what spurred the whole rest of it. You can go too far and like you can be crippled <laughs> by doubt. And have, you like, gone oh. to, have you gone too far? Are we three years in and going... Shit, from what started as like, why is the lat raise harder here? I'm now knee deep in physics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that has definitely happened. Uh, and I've got my fucking calculator out and a bunch of books down there and, and, and what have you. But like, I kind of enjoy that that side yeah. of things. It's, it's going through those that makes you actually convince you, know, you know what, I'm not full of shit. This is, this is right. And okay, let's, let's definitely start putting that stuff out. And I guess to some degree... I don't know if I fully want to say this, but I'm going to say it. We'll, we'll find it's if there are people that you genuinely respect. I mean, part of what you could do is be like, right, what are they saying? How are their arguments formulated? Okay, maybe I say something similar to that. Right? It's like, okay, if most of the good people in my industry are saying that it seems to be calories that matter more than hormones, <laughs> uh, maybe that's a safe enough thing to say, right? Or, so I, I don't necessarily know exactly how you go about overcoming that other than by becoming better at yeah. what you do. And so maybe the first couple of years of anyone's career in any industry, Obama didn't become president on his second week at fucking running for political office. Like he wasn't sticking out vote for Obama 2001, like, or whenever the fucking <laughs> first came into things. It took a few years before you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm polished enough. I'm good enough at this. And let's, let's kind of roll forward. So I think the first couple of years before you even worry about too much of that, like making a name for yourself mm. is get good, get really good. Cause also being a big deal in the fitness industry doesn't fucking matter. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a thing. It reminds me of, did you ever watch a film called waiting with Ryan Reynolds back in the day? Uh, it rings a bell. It rings a, a bell. There's a line in it, which this is one of those lines. Uh, it was like, Stop bragging about being like the coolest person at the restaurant. That's like bragging about being the smartest kid with Down syndrome. Like it's, <laughs> and it's a terrible line and it would never get made now. And I apologize to anyone listening to this if they're thinking that badly. But there's, there's a the truth to that. It's like, okay, you want to be a big deal in the fitness industry. No one outside of the fitness industry gives two flying fucks. Oh. Your client, like, get really good at helping your clients. Your clients are the ones who are going to give you the cash. Right. And if you get really good at that, then other people will pay you more cash. And then you'll eventually, hopefully, get a name for yourself. But even if you don't get a name for yourself, you'll have cash. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to, I've got this name for myself, but I'm fucking poor. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the rich and the famous debate. It's like, don't pursue fame. <laughs> like, fame's this weird, fleeting thing. And look, I've got, I went to drama school, remember? So I have quite a few friends who, been pretty successful i was i did okay for a good few years outside of drama school, drama school before i kind of moved into this but i've got quite a few friends who have been successful on tv and have done a bunch of stuff who you know who don't have that much money mm. 
It's not the same thing. <laughs> and I know some people <laughs> yeah. you've never heard of with all the cash under the sun. <laughs> so what do you mean what I want to make a name for myself? For what? Just for your own ego or because you have something great to offer the world? Because those are two that, different things again. And you don't have 100%. anything great to offer the world until you're really fucking good again. That's 100% it. it's, it's ego, isn't it? And it's um, yeah. it's stroking your ego and, and fame and, and all the rest of it, like you say, doesn't necessarily correlate to success and, and money and cash in the bank and all the rest of it. So it's a, it's a really, really decent point. And um, something that people can definitely take something away from. Um, I mean, we I all think, still have it, right? Like everyone still likes getting it fucking smoke blown up their ass. And they're like, oh my God, you're so good. I love what you do. Like everyone likes that to some degree. You've just got to be a bit wary of it and not get... Mm you know Rudyard Kipling has a line of to meet with triumph and disaster and not mm. treat those two imposters just the same or and treat those two imposters just the same it's like don't get too carried away when you fail don't get too carried away when some everyone's like you're amazing it's like yeah. somewhere in between those is probably where you're really at yeah 100% man Paul that's absolutely incredible mate thank you so much for taking I think 40 45 minutes an hour out of your day I really appreciate it dude um for anyone listening who doesn't follow you where can they find you basically instagram uh body by control on instagram i don't use facebook or really fucking anything else uh, <laughs> uh so yeah instagram will be the place place to find me the website is the same name so you can find shit on there if you're curious as to a few more things awesome man thank you very much and uh i'll post all of the the socials in the in the notes and uh we'll speak to you soon cheers mate cheers buddy